Welcome everyone to Tamaralic Adventures, a show that brings you information from all across the far reaches of Tamaral. I'm your host, Eric A.K.A. Sulior, and today we are going to be talking about one of the greatest heroes in Tamaralic history, and that is Pelinal Whitestrake. But before we get to that, we do have a little bit of news. So they have announced when the migration from the Bethesda server to Steam starts, and that is on April 27th. So if you have any games on there, you can migrate them to the Steam your Steam library. Um, I mentioned that on the uh, show before, but now we have a date for it. And if you do this before May 11th, if you are a Fallout 76 player, you get 10 free spots on the Season 9 scoreboard. So we are still in Season 8, but I guess uh, when the new scoreboard starts for Season 9, you'll get 10 free spots. Um, Hopefully you play... If you do play Fallout 76 on PC, I do, but not seriously. The I mainly play on Xbox, so... I mean, I do have some games that are in my um, uh, Bethesda libra- uh, launcher library, but I guess now I can play those through Steam. So, excuse me, games like Arena, Daggerfall, um, I have Arx Fatalis, I think I've got the Quake games also on there. So, yeah, we do have a date for that now, and it is Mar- or sorry, April 27th, and you have till May 11th to get that uh, bonus there. So, there you go. Um, we also have some news about ESO. So, there is a free-to-play event going on right now, a free-play event and sale. So you can play ESO for free from now until April 26th at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. And this also includes uh, some sales on crowns, uh, crown packs, and uh, Blackwood. So if you buy Blackwood from now uh, until then, it is 70% off. Uh, for the base game and 67% off if you get Blackwood and if you get Blackwood it includes all the previous chapters so yeah this is going from until uh, April 27th on all platforms except for X or I'm sorry PlayStation it's April 28th for PlayStation not sure why that is but there you go so yeah if you're wanting an excuse to try um yes yeah, so there you go um i would highly recommend it so and this will also give you a little bit of a head start until uh high aisle comes out which i just finally picked up the uh high aisle collector's edition pre-order so can't wait to play that For now, I'm just enjoying that mount that you get for pre-ordering it. Speaking of which, we did get that high aisle preview uh, that they played on Twitch, so I definitely 
uh, watched that. Um, I couldn't watch it the day of. I did have to watch it the next day. But I am very excited for this. So, as I mentioned, its focus is on the Bretons. Now, High Isle itself is a uh, resort for Bretons who want to have a vacation. So, but while that's going on, there's some political BS going on that you have to help. Um, so there's the ascending order that you have to take on. But there's also a game, an in-game card game, that is going to launch along with this. And it looks cool. I'm not a huge... Like, I, I, I never really get the hang of in-game card games, whether it's Gwent or it is uh, Pazak, which I think is was the Elder... Or not the um, Knights of the Old Republic uh, card game, or if it's uh, Caravan, which was... Uh, Fallout New Vegas' card game. I've just never gotten the hang of them, and I would like to. Um, I was really curious as to what exactly this is going to be, because, of course, there is already an Elder Scrolls card game, which was Elder Scrolls Legends. And it was kind of along those lines of a Gwent or uh, Hearthstone or something like that, but... I guess it's going to be its own thing. It's not necessarily going to be Elder Scrolls Legends. But I'm still looking forward to it. I'm definitely going to try it. Maybe I can get the hang of the of how it is this time. So I will leave a link for this um, so you guys can check it out yourself. But I'm really looking forward to seeing this. And I'll talk a little bit more about the prologue. Uh, quest because you can now check out the free prologue quest. Um, I'll talk about that once I get to my gameplay. So it, it was a lot of fun. I'm really I really enjoyed it. And I guess that the High Isle chapter and update 34 are now accessible on PC and Mac uh, via the public test server, which unfortunately I'm not a part of. In some uh, Fallout related news, we got Meat Week. Coming up here, it starts on the 27th, I'm sorry, the 26th, and it's running for two weeks, so that's going to be a hell of a lot of meat week. Um, I'm okay with it being a week. Two weeks might be stretching it a little bit, but eh, you know what, I'll still do it, because uh, who doesn't love meat week? And I could do a little uh, impression of Graham singing about meat week, but I'll, I'll spare you guys that. As fun as that would be. <laughs> I can do a pretty good uh, Super Mutant impression, though. Um, maybe I'll do that for Tapes in the Waste. Uh, tapes from the Waste at some point. Um, I have done a ghoul on there, though. So maybe at some point I'll do a Super Mutant. Uh, and some other news. We've got PAX East starting tomorrow. That starts... Uh, that goes for three days. So it's Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, Friday, April 22nd, uh, Saturday the 23rd, and April, Sunday, April 24th. There are some still, there are still some seats available, so I will include a link to this in the show notes, but uh, PAX East is always a good time. I really wish I could go. Unfortunately, I don't really have a way to get to Boston right now. 
But uh, I do know some people that are going. I believe Shuri Scurry has already posted a picture from Boston. Um, so yeah, uh, if you are able to, I know it's short notice, but uh, and if you are going, you're probably already there. But I just thought I'd mention that. Also, QuakeCon has been announced, and it's going to be digitally uh, exclusive. It's only, uh, yeah, you can only go there online. But QuakeCon 2022 is from August 18th through the 20th. So, yeah, I wish it would be in person, but again, it's only going to be digital. So... Yeah, but still, um, hopefully we'll get some uh, announcements there for some things. But yeah, um, anyway, I believe that is it for the news. As far as my gameplay goes, I've been playing a lot of ESO lately. I'll get to that in a bit. Um, what else have I been playing? I've been playing a lot of Fallout 76, of course. I'm, I think I'm in the 90s with the scoreboard now, so scorecation is on the horizon. Can't wait. I've been playing a lot more of the Outer Worlds, so I've got all the companions now, and I think I'm starting the uh, faction exclusive quests, like I've been doing some stuff for the Iconoclasts, and it, it here's the thing, Fallout, Elder Scrolls, Outer Worlds, they don't really portray good guys and bad guys like say what you want about the civil war i still side with the Stormcloaks, and if you want my reasons why go back and listen to listen to the earlier episodes but um there is no black and white with these factions same with fallout like the railroad the institute yes you can say the institute are evil but there are some good qualities to them. I, I wouldn't say I would side with them. Same with the railroad. Uh, I portray them more of a lighter shade of gray. And I, I guess the only quote-unquote good, uh, pure good faction in Fallout 4 would probably be the um, Minutemen. But I'm sure they've got some darkness in them too. Come here, Yoda. Um, sorry, my cat decided to make an appearance again. And, um, but yeah, and with uh, the Outer Worlds, it's no different. Like, yes, who likes um, authority, you know, rebel against authority, whatever, whatever. But without some sort of structure, there's anarchy and chaos. You need some sort of structure to have a civilized society and it won't just be an open wasteland. But where's the line that you draw before you become oppressive and become tyrannical? And that's kind of what this story is about. Like, yes, there are people who want to free themselves from the shackle of the board, but Without the board, there's chaos. But where do you draw that line? That's what this story is about. And it's really interesting, and I've definitely been enjoying playing it. Um, I've been watching a lot of Halo on Paramount lately, and I've heard people go, there's a Paramount streaming service. Yes, 
There's a Paramount streaming service, and it's got a lot of Nickelodeon shit on it, along with um, MTV. I want to say there's Cartoon Network stuff on there. Like, there's Paramount Plus exclusive um, South Park content. So I, I watched the COVID episodes of South Park on there, and they have a Halo series that is running right now. So I've never been a huge Halo player. I know there's some people who are absolutely obsessed with it. I, my experience with Halo is going over to somebody's house, playing a multiplayer mission, and you know the the free for all battle, and just having my head handed to me because this person is an experienced Halo player who knows exactly where to where weapons and things spawn and where the perfect spot to snipe somebody is. That has been my experience with Halo. But watching this has made me want to play more, so I downloaded the Master Chief Collection and I started playing a little bit of uh, Combat Evolved, the first one. So I've been playing a little bit of that. I'll probably play more of it. Uh, <laughs> it was pretty late at night when I played it and um, I was having fun with the first mission and I was playing a little bit of the second mission before I called it a night because I was getting exhausted. Um, but yeah, let's let's talk about more with ESO. So I've been playing a ton of ESO lately, both with my North American character and with my European character. Um, so my European character has finished the Ebonheart Pack quest line, and you know you you get to the end of it, and Yorin uh, Skull King is like. Well, I'll see you back in Mornhold. I get to Mornhold and he's not there. Like, what the hell? Um, so, I guess each of these faction, three banners war faction quests lead up to when you gather everybody together for a peace talk before you invade uh, Cold Harbor. So, that's why he wasn't in Mornhold. But um, I'd already started Cadwell Silver because I completed the end of the main quest line, um, the Cold Harbor uh, mission. I'd finished that. So um, with the so I guess I'd started the Daggerfall Covenant. So I was in Stros Mackay. I'd already started some of those, and. Stress Mackay isn't very big. It's a very small area compared to some of the others. So it didn't take long to finish that. And then you get on a ship with uh, Yakarn, who is voiced by the legendary voice actor Steve Bloom, who's known for Wolverine, among others. And you sail to this island called Betnik. I keep wanting to say Beatnik, but that's something completely different. Uh, we're not going to get into that. But yeah, you go to Betnik, and there's a little bit of a story there. It didn't take long to finish it. But I came across a player house called Seaview Spire. So you get on this ship, and it takes you to this place where you dive underwater. And the house is huge. It's a huge player house. And it's absolutely breathtaking, just completely gorgeous. And I'm like, okay, how much is this son of a bitch? Because I want to buy it. It is 14,000 crowns unfurnished. 
ridiculous. I don't know, like, unless you have the ESO subscription and save up your crowns for it for like a year, almost a year, I don't know who's going to be buying that because you can only get it with crowns. You can't buy it with gold. But that house would be amazing to have. It's so beautiful on the inside. But, and it, it's the biggest house I've seen. Like, I've got Hall of the Winter Champion, and it's got all those additional wings that unlock when you get the, uh, the slate for it. Which, one of them you have to have, um, DLC to be able to do it. You have to complete some DLC-specific dungeons. But, this puts it to shame. The, this house and yeah but the, the problem is I don't have 14,000 crowns lying around to buy it wish I did uh, but I'm not <laughs> I don't know who would spend that amount of crowns on a house unless you're kind of a, a house collection or like anyway um, so after that and Betnik is this island off the coast of Glenumbra um, in High Rock so from there you travel to Glenumbra where Daggerfall is and um, that's where I'm at right now and I've done a couple of missions there and I did spend a little bit of time in the Imperial City last night as I'm recording this on uh, Thursday the 21st, April 21st um, because I would love to go in there but I'm not much of a PvP person. But you don't have to do PvP in the Imperial City, although you will be subjected to PvP attacks if somebody chooses to do that. Um, so yeah, that's where I'm at with my European character. With my North American character, I've been playing a little bit more. And um, I did another run of uh, Skywatch with... Marcus from the Legends Rise podcast, and there was somebody else there. I can't remember what her name is. I want to say her name is Linda. I don't know if she's got a podcast. If I did, I would shout her out. Um, I'll have to get back to Marcus on that. But <laughs> I forgot to mention the uh, the first time we ran through Skywatch, which is a dungeon in Craghorn. It's a daily dungeon. Um, I'd never. I'm not a big dungeon guy. Like, I, I would like to do dungeons, but I'd never really group with other players. And, um, yeah, you can do random dungeons with uh, random players. But it's different if you're playing with a group that you know. And um, I'm still getting used. To, I'm, I'm a little bit more used to my um, North American character. He's a... a uh, Nightblade, excuse me. Um, my European character is a necromancer, but my uh, North American character is a Nightblade, which is a completely different play style. So I'd never done this dungeon before uh, with him or with, at all. So the first time I'm running it with him, there's this chest in the middle of a room, and I'm like, "Ooh, chest! Um, this chest is a trap." Yes, you get rewards, uh, but you, <laughs> you you activate this chest and a big horde of skeletons will swarm you. And I'm like, oh my god, I didn't know, I'm so sorry. And he's just laughing his ass off at me like, <laughs> yeah, that, that's, a, that's a thing. He's like, 
he was just kind of making fun of me, which I deserved it. I, I was like, oh my god, I'm so sorry, I didn't know. Yeah, it's a part of the dungeon that, again, I'd never done that dungeon before. I had done a couple before, but I wasn't familiar with that one. So, and like I said, we've done it a couple of times since then. Um, specifically, you know, not just for the XP, but because the anniversary event was still going on at that point, which it's unfortunately now over. Um, I loved the anniversary event. I wish it was still going on, but next year. Um, yeah, I think that's about it as far as my gameplay goes. I did do the... Um, High Isle Prologue quest, and that was fun. Um, you run around with Yakarn and a couple of other people. So that that was fun. I enjoyed that, and I'm really looking forward to High Isle. So that really is it as far as my gameplay goes. So let's get into today's topic here. Alright, so who exactly is or was Pelina Whitestrake? So Pelina Whitestrake is is kind of a, a legendary hero in Tamrielic history. So um, well, here's a here's a quote from the Song of Pelinal Volume 2, and it says And Pelinal came to Perif's camp of rebels holding a sword and mace, both encrusted in smashed viscera of elven faces, feathers, and magical beads, which are magic beads, which were the markings of Aeliadun, stuck to the redness and hung from his weapon, and he lifted them, saying, These were the eastern chieftains no longer full of their talking. So... <laughs> that that does give you a pretty good picture of what Pelinal is all about. He's all about conflict and the the like. Um, he did not like elven folk, as you can probably tell from that excerpt there. So he, uh, for also for clarification, Perif is. Uh, it's another name for Alessia, St. Alessia, which I did mention in the last episode. But getting back to Pelinal Whitestreak, he fought alongside Morahas as the champion of Queen Alessia during the Alessian Slave Rebellion in the early First Era. And Pelinal is one name for the legendary immortal hero, quote-unquote, who, according to legend, conquered all of Tamriel by himself in the late Merithic era. However, he never united the various provinces he conquered under a single banner, as he was known to wander, build up kingdoms, and inevitably abandon them to wander again. So he... It sounds like he just kind of travels around looking for a fight. But he possessed the Crusader's relics, which we'll get to here in a little bit. We've, we've talked about them a little bit. But we're going to uh, dive back into that here in a little bit. But these relics were given to him by eight divines. Legends say he often had stretches of homicidal madness during which he slew people indiscriminately and took a toll on the very landscape itself. So, 
he went by various titles. Uh, Pelinal actually means glorious knight and is a corruption of Pelinel, which means the star made knight. And he was referred to in many different ways during the Lessing Rebellion, known as the White Strake, Pelinal Insurgent, Pelinal the Bloody, Pelinal the Blamer, and Pelinal the Third, which could indicate that he is a god geyser who had incarnated twice before. Another theory suggests that he is the third vision received by St. Alessia in her prayers to the gods for mankind's freedom from the aliens. And he is often referred to as the Divine Crusader. Khajiiti legend remember him as the White Snake, which, uh, White Strake, White Snake, I guess that kind of makes sense. It's claimed that he had other names as an immortal sorcerer king, such as Izmir, Harold, or I'm sorry, Harold Harry Breeks, and Hans the Fox. These two names were mentioned among Isgrimor's companions, and a couple of others is in their number said to have been to have quote unquote ran once with the Pelinal. Pelinal described himself and Mirahas in a conversation between the two as an Ada. Um, <laughs> which is uh, another name for one of the divines. The same classification was given to Umeril the Unfeathered. Some believe that Pelinal was another incarnation of a god sent to the champion to set, sent to champion the cause of mankind. Easy for me to say. It is said that um, once a, a man once called Pelinal the Shezerine, I think is how you pronounce that, the man was then smothered by moss that night and carried strange weapons and armor given to him by the eight divines, which does kind of describe uh, Pelinal. So let's get into some of the things that he has done. So like I said, it's said that he once appeared in the late Merithic era under various aliases where he wandered Tamriel to gather armies, conquering lands, and then abandon them. So, here's a quote from uh, Pelinal himself. It says, These were the eastern chieftains no longer full of their talking, which is part of that quote that I uh, mentioned earlier. So, before Alessia started her rebellion in First Era 242, Pelinal had already begun fighting against the alien armies in Cyrodiil. So, basically, he just travels from land to land looking for the alien armies or elven armies and just is intent on wiping them out when he heard about her defiance of the her elven slave masters he came to her holding a mace and sword okay so this is when he made that or said that quote and basically it's like excuse me um here's what i've done you're gonna need me let's go kill some some aliens so he became her champion and alongside her demi-prince lover Morahas, they went and uh, challenged their slave masters, her Alessia's slave masters. During the days of the rebellion, Pelinal was the enemy of all elves who lived in Cyrodiil and he did not participate in traditional warfare but targeted the higher-ranking members of the alien culture and challenged them to prearranged duels to play on their pride, which we all know that elves do have a sense of pride, um, some more than others, but they all definitely do. 
One of his more famous duels was against Haromir of Copper and Tea. And so their duel is known as the duel at the Tor, where Pelinal ate his neck veins while screaming praise to Raymond, which at that point Raymond didn't really exist, so who the hell is he uh, screaming to? But (laughs) who knows? We will talk about Raymond Cyrodiil at one point here coming up. So, Pelinor went on to slay more elven rulers in similar duels, and then he faced another king called Gordhar the Shaper, and was said to have smashed his head upon the goat-faced altar of Nindava. So, Nindava is a small alien ruin located west of Bruma, northeast of Sankator, and it, it it contains one alien statue, which is located at the north at, at the located north of the entrance, up a flight of stairs in the very back of the room. So I, this is actually an alien ruin that you can visit in the game Oblivion. So um, apparently, Pelinal Whitestrake had been there at one point and had dueled an alien king there. So. After uh, the bloody duel, Pelinal then cursed Gordhar's body so that the alien sorcerers would be unable to reanimate their king. So apparently the aliens were known for uh, necromancy also. Later that season, Pelinal slew the fire king Hadhul at the alien city of Kseator, where his spearmen suffered the first defeat at the hands of the crusader. In a year, Pelinal had drove the alien armies past the Nibinan and claimed all the eastern lands for Alessia's forces. He freed the slaves at the uh, Vatican, I think is how you pronounce that, these elven words, and the thousand strong of Sidor, a human tribe which had been enslaved by the aliens at Sidor. Nothing could stop his march when he claimed northern Cyrodiil. Alessia sent messengers to the Nords of Skyrim asking for their aid. When the Nords saw the Crusader standing at the Bridge of Heldon, where where his white hair had become so stained with blood that it turned brown, they praised him and said that their patron god Shore had returned. So they thought Pelinal was Shore. Pelinal did not take kindly to that and spat at their feet, profaning that name. Uh, apparently he didn't want to be... Uh, compared to him. Nonetheless, Whitestrake had led them west to drive the aliens inward towards Cyrodiil. Or it's inwards Cyrodiil. When Huna, the hoplite uh, that Pelinal had trained personally and cared for deeply was killed by Selethel, the singer, Pelinal Whitestrake went on his first madness. He killed without purpose and brought destruction from the cities of Narlamade to Celadiel, and destroyed these lands in a rampage, killing any and all who stood in his way. Alessia would have prayed to the gods for their help, and they reached down, sorry, she would have to, not would have to, um, and they reached down to the earth and calmed Pelinal until he stopped his madness, mindless rampage, and regained his composure. So, I should mention that a lot of the, no, like most of this takes place in Cyrodiil, but the alien cities were built underground in fortresses. So 
it's not like he's going around to say Leowen or the well, the Imperial City is mostly an alien structure, especially uh, particularly White Gold Tower. But you're not going to, you know, Leowen or Anvil or places like this. These are the Iliad um, structures that you find in Oblivion. And, but those were their cities. So this, all this takes place before those um, imperial cities are established. So that's why you're not really hearing any uh, places you might be familiar with in Cyrodiil. So uh, let's see. Fifth, fifth of New Teeds once said that White Strake had no heart under his armor, only the rage of a mindless dragon. Pelinal was angered by this and would kill anyone who spoke according to the knowledge and the logic of gods, except for Alessia because she acted rather than talked, as language without effort is a dead witness. When his men heard him say these things, they went silent and angered him. Er, they went silent and this angered him. He ran into the rain laughing madly and swinging his sword while screaming, Oh, Akka, for, for our shared madness I do this. I watch wa- watch you watching me and watching back. Umeril dares call us out, and for that is how we made him. So, Afa is... Sorry, not Afa, Akka. Akka is another name for Akatosh, and we all know about Akatosh. Garrett of the men of Gi once witnessed Pelinal's mindlessness, sorry, madness in battle. When he and the Crusader had a drink together, he asked what it felt like, and Pelinal described it as when the dream no longer needs the dreamer. So, uh, so here we are at the final battle here. So, in First Era 243, toward the end of the war, Rebellion forces marched back south and east, and they came closer to the White Gold Tower. The demigod half-elf, Umeril the Unfeathered, challenged Pelinal to a duel. So we've we have definitely heard about Pelin or about uh, Umeril the Unfeathered. So Umeril the he had challenged Umeril the Unfeathered himself challenged Pelinal to a duel. At her war council, the Alessian armies and all of the Nords grew anxious and fearful at the foresight of the storming of Weichold Tower and faced Umeril and his soldiers. Because of their hesitation, Alessia herself counseled delay. Their hesitation made Pelinal furious and and made names of his own allies, calling them cowards. He proceeded to insult Umeril in his anger. Outraged and acting on his instinct rather than a thought, he went in alone to confront Umeril. Upon his arrival in the city, Umeril revealed that he had tricked the crusader and weakened Pelinal by sending in soldiers who had been saving for this saving for this moment, knowing that they would be killed easily by the crusader. So they're basically pawns in this you know, game of chess between Pelinal and Umeril. After the battle with Umeril's servants, Pelinal became surrounded by the last Aeliot sorcerer kings and their minions, who were probably summoned Orans 
and other data. Bleeding in battle for the first time ever, Pelnol smashed the floor with his weapon in rage, sending pieces of rock flying in all directions, and his attackers withdrew in their in fear of their opponents. Pelnol screamed for Umeril to reveal himself and face the Crusader in combat. It was only after Whitestrake had been weakened and badly wounded that Umeril came down to fight him. Both fighters were easily, were sorry, equally matched, and they injured each other severely. Ultimately, Pelinol broke off the Elf, wing, Elf King's wings, and finally killing him and ending the alien enslavement of humans. After his enemy died, Whitestrake yet laughed about the ugliness of Umeril's angel-shaped, angel-shaped helmet and recklessly insulted the ancestry of the half-elf and anyone who who has descended from him and the old Ahinafei, which uh, the Ahinafei, we haven't really talked about them, but they are known as the Earth Bones and are faded descendants of the Adra who walked on Nern, as well as the ancestors of Men and Mer. We're going to have to do an episode on the Ahinafei at some point. But uh, getting back to Pelinol, so enraged by the remarks about their heritage, the Sorcerer Kings returned and overwhelmed the weakened Crusader, killing him. And normally that would be the end of the story, but if you've played the Knights of the Nine DLC for Oblivion, you know that that's not quite the end of Pelinol's story. So, yeah, Pelinol had been brutally executed by the remaining alien kings, and they surrounded him with their weapons and cut him into eight pieces, which is a symbolic number of alien culture. And they took... Uh, so, Alessia and, his, Alessia and her council were woken by Pelinol's dying scream and ordered an immediate attack of the city the next morning. So they went in and looked for more aliens to kill, but Pelinol had killed them all, except for the ones that were already fleeing for their wives. So, fearing for the life of his friend, Morahas shook the whole tower and by bashing it with his horns, so um, they tried to reach Pelinol, but he was too late. So he found Pelinol's head, which the alien kings had left as proof that they had killed him, and, um, yeah, he was one of the cornerstones of the human rebellion. So, oddly enough, Pelinol's head was still alive and greeted Morhas upon seeing him, uh, much to the shock of this minotaur. The two friends spoke for a long time, uh, reportedly about regret, uh, which even Alessia herself would never hear the truth. Um, but as the end of his life approached, uh, Pelinol through forces unknown, realized at the last moment that Umeril had survived. Um, he was defeated, and his body was dead, but his spirit was very well still alive, um, which we do encounter in the Knights of the Nine uh, DLC. But uh, Pelinol warned uh, Morhas about Umeril. Uh, he said, quote-unquote, Beware, Morhas, beware. With the foresight of death, I know uh, now that my foe yet lives. Bitter knowledge to take to my grave. Better that I had died believing myself the victor. Although cast beyond the doors of night, he will return. 
be vigilant. I can no longer shield the host of men from Umeral's retribution. And uh, that's when he died. So strangely, it appears that Pelamal was present in First Era 266 at Alessia's deathbed. Although he, had, you know, even though he'd been killed. And here's a, an excerpt from the Song of Pelinal, Book 8. And yet you gather, yet you to gather strength with my other half who will bring light to that mortal idea that brings the gods great joy, that is freedom, which even the heavens do not truly know, which is why our father, the, uh, apparently there's some words that have been lost here, in those first day, uh, first day spirit swirls, uh, different translations there, before convention, that which we echoed in our earthly madness, let us now take you up. We will show you our the, we will show our true faces to, which eat one another in amnesia and age. It's uh, kind of strange. So. Apparently, Pelinol had found salvation in death, freed from his madness, and now acted as a guardian to bring Lesia's soul into the afterlife. So, I mentioned that he is present in Knights of the Nine. You do have a, a short little conversation with him, and uh, before you uh, go about your final battle with Umeril, and uh, here's what he says to you. He says, Hail, knight. You, may, you seek my relics with a worthy heart. That, see, that's another thing. Is I don't know if Pelinal truly had a worthy heart. With all of the... Um, you have to go about this really long quest to basically get rid of your infamy in Oblivion. So you have to find these way shrines to the divines. And it gets rid of... Like, so, I, if you do the Knights of the Nine DLC, which I do recommend doing, but this quest is, is a pain in the ass. So, to be able to wield the Relics of the Crusader, all the armor and then the sword, you have to have a pure heart. So, you go about this quest to pray at all these, uh, these way shrines to the Divines to cleanse yourself of all your impurities so wait until wait to do this until after you finish the dark brotherhood and the thieves guild because otherwise you'll have to go do this all, all this shit again and it's a like i said as long as tedious and the map they give you is pretty much worthless but if you know where to look for these way shrines it's not bad so uh but i hearing all of this about Pelham White's Drake and his madness and his bloodlust, I wouldn't say he had a pure heart. So here's here's the quote. I'm going to read it for you. So it says, Hail Knight, you seek my relics with a worthy heart. Your prayers have woken me from my endless dream. Or perhaps you have entered my dream and I still sleep. I think others sometimes spoken to me, others like you, but my memory is doubtful. Perhaps the others came after you. Your need must be great for the gods to allow us to speak. Has Umeril the Accursed found a way back? My foulest of a foul race. The foulest of a foul race. A thousand curses upon his unholy name. I thought I'd won, but I should have known. The slave masters are a cunning breed. Umeril found a way to cheat death, as I could not. If you would seek my for my relics, 
I know little that can help you. All that has passed since my death is like a mist that my mind cannot take hold of. My friends built a shrine upon the side of my death where the elves tormented me in a final act of revenge. I can show you where it once stood. Perhaps it is still there. Fare thee well, Sir Knight. May the gods grant you to destroy Umeril utterly, as I failed to do. So, yeah, the hero of Kavachar, the champion of Cyrodiil, your character in Oblivion, has two different names. He was warned by the prophet that Umeril had finally returned to Cyrodiil to unleash his vengeance upon humanity for destroying him and his people thousands of years before. After a pilgrimage, the hero received vision of, vision of Pelinal Whitestrake, who put them on the path for reconstituting the Order of the Knights of the Nine and reuniting the Crusaders' relics, relics which were needed to destroy Umeril the Unfeathered forever. So, yeah, um, you, uh, you know, spoilers for a, uh, you know, 14-year, 15-year uh, game. You do succeed where... Umeril, I'm sorry, where Pelinol had failed before. and But the problem was, yes, he had the uh, aid of eight of the divines. Um, this is before Talos, I think, was even born. And he, you know, of course, long before he had ascended to godhood. So Pelinol did not have the help of Talos to finally end Umeril for good, and you succeed where Pelinol had ultimately failed. So, we do have some trivia for Pelinol Whitestrake, and uh, yeah, he, he went by a bunch of different names, as I mentioned earlier, but in the Song of Pelinol Book 3, it is stated that Pelinol deeply loved Huna whose death by Selethil the singer drove him into a Christ destruction spire. So we do have a little bit about Huna here. So Huna was an imperial hoptite, or hoplite, who was one of the companions of, uh, Umar, of uh, Pelinol. So it isn't really specified if Huna is a male or female, but uh, according to Michael Kirkbride, Umeril, I'm sorry, why do I keep saying Umeril? Pelinol was homosexual. So, apparently this direct reference of Huna and Pelinol's intimacy was removed from the final book as it was, quote-unquote, a simple matter of keeping his sexuality ambiguous since the player was donning Pelinol's armor and completing a mission that he could not, in a sense, becoming him. So apparently they wanted to keep all you know that part of Pelinol's personal life obscure, but um, I, you know I think that's interesting. You know why not give him a lover? Yeah, you know. So um, apparently Pelinol Whitestrake was an imperial, and like most male imperials, Pelinol was voiced by Wes Johnson in. Oblivion. So, of course, gotta love Wes Johnson. He's he's so great. Pelinal Whitestrake is regarded by many to be the Cesarine, which is a mortal avatar of Shore. However, any mention of that would anger Pelinal, as I mentioned earlier. So, yeah, I mentioned um, how the Nords had 
referenced him that way, and he got really mad. So, um, that really is it as far as Helena Whitestrake. If you are looking for some more information, there's plenty of in-game books that you can look to. So there's all of the songs of Pelinal books and you can play through the Knights of the Nine DLC, which uh, has a lot to do with Pelinal. And you can also look at the Pocket Guide to the Empire First Edition, which is in apparently the Elsewhere expansion of ESO. Yeah, he's mentioned in all the games, but the only one that he really appears in is Oblivion. So yeah. Um, interesting historical figure, uh, would not want to meet him personally because I would like to keep my head on my shoulders. And apparently at certain points he didn't care who he killed, he just liked killing. So yeah, like I said, I don't think he had the pure heart that the Crusaders relics were after, which is interesting because he was the original owner of them. But yeah, he, he did sound like he was a bit of a tortured soul. And I guess he was just a tool that Alessia used. She saw value in his hatred of the elves and used him for her own devices. So yeah, that really is it as far as Pelinal Whitestrake. So that is how the First Empire begins. And there's not a lot of information about the First Empire after that. So we will talk about in the next episode how the First Empire ends and how the second one begins. So that is what the next episode will be about. So I would like to thank The Hive as always for sponsoring this podcast. And if you would like to get a hold of me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at iangold08. That is my personal page. And you can find the show's page at tamrailp. If you would do me a huge favor and rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, I honestly don't remember when the last time we got a review is. And I don't think we've gotten any reviews on Spotify at this point. So that would really help get some eyes and ears on the show. And yeah, that is it for this episode. I'm going to get out of here. So as always, stay safe, adventurers.